Well, hello, and thank you for listening to the Lost Delight podcast. And my name is Angie, and I'm here with my co-host, Michelle. Hello. And today we have a very special guest in the house with us, and her name is Becky Nix. Hello. Hi. Hey, um, So today we're going to touch on a topic um, of going through um, just basically Becky's story and everything she went through. Becky is... One of my very, very, very good friends. I love her dearly. And um, she also knows Michelle um, because Becky is a widow as well. And not only is Becky a widow, she is also divorced. Um, So Becky has a tremendous story of courage and love. So um, we will dive into her in just a minute. But Michelle, um, what's new with your book, Better and Not Bitter? Oh, let's see. I've got a couple of book signings coming up in September, uh, back in my home area, Harlan Public Library and the Denison Public Library. And uh, I'm going to be on a podcast later in August. Uh, So yeah, Yeah. it's just kind of going along. But can you share what's going to happen with your book? Yeah, actually, I'm working on getting it uh, created into an audiobook. I love that. On Audible. (laughs) Yeah. My uh, late husband, Joe's brother, John, uh, has a family friend, and she is an actress, voiceover, drama theater person, and she has agreed to narrate my book. So I'm kind of, I'm really excited about that. Part. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I just, I mean, it's huge to have the Audible available for people because you know. Well, for <laughs> me, it's a, it's a sensitive yeah area exactly. because some of the listeners probably already know that I started losing my vision, mm-hmm. and so. Um, you know, Angie prepares our paperwork for the podcast, and she put it in big print for me. That was so considerate. <laughs> I try to do everything I can to help. <laughs> You're awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, so that's my big news right now is well, the that's Audible. Awesome. That's so awesome. Hopefully it will be by the time we're on the air in September again, maybe it'll be ready to go. That's awesome. Well, I'm so proud of you and happy for that. So how's things going with uh, your little Etsy shop? Is oh, that it's growing? Going good. And- yeah, it's, you know, it's a slow month right now. Um, but I think that's kind of normal. You know, I'm, I'm not concerned, you know, it is, it's, I, I'm just amazed at how many things you create. You know, this gal is kind of, she wears many hats. She has her own blog, She has an Etsy shop called Butterflies and Halos where she sells greeting cards and candles and she's always creating new things and I'm just really impressed. And then she has just really been a strong arm with our podcast project here. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually enjoy it because I told you, I said, I love the back end stuff. So yeah, she's good at it. Yeah, so I love it. Well, okay. So Becky, are you ready? I think I'm uh, as ready as I'm ever going to be right now. (laughs) You'll do great. Okay. So, Becky, so basically, I want you to just start off, and I want you to tell us about your your loss, your first loss that you had, and kind of where you were at in life with that, and when that happened, and just tell our listeners your story. All right. So... Let's see. Let's go back, back in time here. It's been 16 years. Unbelievable, but it has. And it was May of 2007, and it was Mother's Day. My husband, Shad, had just gotten a motorcycle the week before. We had celebrated our middle son's, 
well, at that time, our youngest child turned four. The family was over, and we looked at the motorcycle. He was excited about the motorcycle, and I was worried and made a comment or two, but he promised me or uh, just said, you know, it's not me that you have to worry about. It's the other drivers. And I said, well, yeah, we are in Omaha, right? Mm -hmm, Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Mother's Day, and I go to lunch with my aunt. Wait, rewind. I forgot a very special person in the middle of there, didn't I? Yes, yeah. Oh, my goodness. How could I forget my Allie? Allie, I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, back up. Um, April 25th of 2007, we welcomed our uh, daughter. So we had two boys, Brandon and Ryan, and we weren't planning to have another baby, but we weren't preventing. So we were just kind of going with whatever's meant to be is meant to be. Weird enough, um, August of 06, I am pregnant. And I'm like, whoa, okay, here we go. Buckle up. (laughs) And we find out we're having a little girl. And Shad was elated. I was so excited because we had the two boys. If you know the Knicks boys and you're listening to this podcast, you know, <laughs> you know how crazy. One of those is the new thing. If you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So if you if you knew them, you know they were a little crazy, rambunctious, but fun. Yeah. So April 25th, we welcome Allie. Yeah. And our family was complete. I remember sending him a text after he took the crazy boys home from visiting their little sister <laughs> and just texting and saying, I, my life is so perfect. Oh. Everything is perfect. And the next 18 days were great. And like I said, in between there, we get a motorcycle a week before. It's something he's wanted. He found one. Weird that it was then that time he was home on paternity leave. So maybe he was a little bored. I don't know yeah. how you could <laughs> yeah. be with these three. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens with guys, I think, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Mother's Day hits, back to Mother's Day. And I go to brunch with my aunt, who just moved back from Florida, my mom. And we come home, and he's showing off Allie when we walk in the door. And it was it was a perfect day. So it comes to the night, my mom was staying with me and the kids to help. And it was a beautiful day that it was May 13th, 2007. And it was gorgeous outside. My mom and I and Allie are sitting on the couch and the boys were upstairs playing and he walks up and says, she's calling my name. And I just kind of look at him and he said, it's beautiful outside. I will only be 15 minutes. And I didn't want him to leave. And I remember telling Angie this part that's emotional. I didn't want him to leave, but I didn't say a word. Yeah. I wasn't happy about it. I let him walk away. And that was the last time I saw him alive. Later, an hour or two later, he was hit and killed by a drunk driver on his motorcycle. Wow, that really hits home for me. I know it does. Jackie. Um, have that in common, unfortunately. Yeah. My my husband, as most of our listeners already know, was killed by a drunk driver in March of 2009. So I feel all the feels you're feeling right now. Yeah, because one minute they're there, the next minute they're, they're not. They're gone. Right. And there's, you can't finish the conversation you started. You, I mean, but for for me, listening here, listening to you tell your story, 
And the whole time I'm thinking, she has an 18-day-old daughter. Mm -hmm. This woman just gave birth. She's going through postpartum. She has a newborn. And how old were the boys? The boys were six and four. I mean, three kids under six, postpartum, and now your husband is killed by another human being, and you have to deal with all the aftermath. Right, right. I had gone up to sleep. I It wasn't just 15 minutes, obviously, although I didn't know what was going on. And I went upstairs with Allie and put her in her little bassinet and looked at the clock and in my mind said, so much for 15 minutes. In that, you know, loving wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, he was just so happy when he left. So as we talk, you know, that's most of what has gotten me through a lot of this. But I was woke up by a deputy coming to our house. And I had just fallen asleep, so I was super confused. I came down the steps, and one of them were standing there. And, and I said, well, Shad's not here. And he's like, I know. He's like, he's there's been an accident and the, I was, I was confused. I thought I didn't remember the motorcycle at that time. I didn't remember that he left on the motorcycle because I'm pretty sure I was still just out of it. And he's like, Becky, you know, he was on the motorcycle, right? And I said, yeah, but nobody would tell me anything. All they wanted to do was get me to the hospital. And it felt like time stood still. Like, are we going to leave? Are we going to leave? They were on their phones. Then they'd come back in the house. They'd leave the house. They'd come back in. And finally, we were on our way, and another deputy drove me down there. Thankfully, my mom was at the house. She could stay with the kids. And I kept asking him questions, and he would not answer me. And so I called my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. They didn't act. I, I didn't act like anything was majorly wrong because I didn't know. And... The ride down to UNMC was the longest ride. And we walked into the hospital and they said, this is, this is Shadnick's wife. She's, she's here. And they're like, oh, okay, let me take you into this room. room. (laughs) It's the consultation room. So anyone who's had endured a loss like that, if you're going into the consultation room, it's probably not a good thing. Although I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I thought in my mind, this probably isn't going to be good, but everybody was just acting so weird that I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't taken to his bedside. I wasn't there taking me to an outside the room says consultation room. So I'm sitting in there. I don't have any family with me. I have a couple deputies. Um, I believe Sheriff Dunning came down even so that's another thing where... Well, and like some of the listeners may not know, Shad was... He was a deputy sheriff. Yep. So yeah, yes. so he was... So that is why when you said when they came, you know... I didn't think a thing of think, it. Yeah. Oh, I guess I should have said... Well, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, that's... I mean, um, but yeah, the P, that's why. But yeah, so... Because we were friends. Yeah, We were exactly. all friends. So when Jim walked in the door, I didn't, I didn't think a thing of it. And when... Danny's driving me down. It's because they knew us and mm-hmm. they're doing us a favor. So Danny was in there. Sheriff Dunning was in there. And then the chaplain walks in. Oh, man. So again, not knowing what this means, I was still kind of either in denial or in shock. And finally, I just 
I just ripped off the bandaid. I'm like, so is he okay or not? And he just said, I'm sorry. They did everything they could and he didn't make it. Yeah. Again, sitting in this consultation room with pretty much strangers, you know, not family, nobody. And it was this complete out of body experience at that point. Like Michelle, you mentioned, you know, you, you just had a baby. I had a C-section too on top of it. So you're not completely healed from that. And I have three little kids, but in that moment, I didn't remember that. I'm sitting there and I'm just having this out of body, like, oh my gosh, I didn't want him to leave. Why didn't I say something? And I'm all the thoughts that were going through my head were coming out of my mouth with these people in the room. They may or may not remember what I said. I don't know. But I was so shocked. And finally, it hit me. I I said out loud, oh, my God, I have three kids under the age of six. How am I going to do this? And I completely (sighs) lost it at that point because I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, when my husband was killed, and I saw the state patrolman walking up to my door. I knew, because I couldn't get a hold of Joe. I had frantically been trying to get a hold of him. And I knew in my gut that he was dead. I knew it before they told me. And my 15-year-old daughter, our 15-year-old daughter was standing there. And it was like, the mom in you just comes to the surface. Like, I got to protect her. How am I going to do this? And it takes over. Yeah. Once that mom monitor comes on, yeah. it, it take right and she with oh, crazy. Yeah. 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 Mine was a little different, but it was, I mean, with Garrett, when my son Garrett died, you know, Becky, I know that longest drive down to the med center, mm-hmm. didn't know anything, you know, get there and they're like, oh, you know, but at that time I was fortunate. I had Jack in the room and they're like, well, your husband's in the room. I'm like, what room, you know, where? And they take me to the consultation room as mm-hmm. well. And you know, he's in there and with the doctor and a nurse or I don't know, even know, but um, they all stand up and, you know, then, you know, Jack told me that Garrett had died. So, you know, and I had same thing. I'll, I think I lost all feeling and everything. Um, I didn't know. And I just, it was, yeah, same thing. I mean, then they asked if I wanted to go see Garrett. So did you get those options? I did get that option and I did not. Because I wanted to remember him how he left. He was so happy. Like that day, it's the strangest thing. You look backwards, you know, you look back on things. And and he, that day was the happiest I had seen him. And it's hard to explain. It's almost like they know or something. I, I agree because the day Joe was killed, he went to go buy a new vehicle for me. And nothing could have slowed him down. It's like he had to get over there. He had to buy it. He was killed on the way home. It was like his soul mm-hmm. knew it was time, and he had to make sure he was in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like Shad, like, I'm just going to go out for a ride quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the morning, well, that when Garrett died that day, it was a beautiful sum, summer day, too. I just, I can remember it. And he was so happy, even Garrett, you know, just as a one-year-old, he was so happy. And I just was like, I always talked about him like, he just is so smiley. And I'm just like, it was so cute when I would drop him off at daycare. And I was just like, he's just going to have the best day, you know? And then, I mean, I did have to ask the daycare provider, you know, 
what did you do that day? Did you have fun? Did you guys do stuff? You know, and she's like, yeah, we had a picnic outside. And, you know, so yeah, the, um, you remember how happy they are and that. And so there's something to that. I really do. It's like, like they know. Yeah, I agree. Because he was, he was just beyond happy, just like a peaceful, bright, sunny, happy. Well, I'm glad you had that to Right. What a memory of yeah. of seeing that mm-hmm. happiness. Can you share with our listeners, and I, I want to hear your story too, and I'm sure Angie has heard it, but, but probably wants to hear it again, a little bit about how you pick the pieces up with those three young children. You know, take us through those first, how did you do it? How did you find your light? So a huge support to me at the time, we had a wonderful nanny Amber. And my mom was there, like I mentioned, and they both dropped everything to be there with me through those first couple weeks. And I want to say even a month after they were there day and night. Amber moved in with me for the summer. My mom was staying with me. And then all the neighbors, my neighbors came over, they helped, they would take night shifts And a lot of that was, of course, to help me heal physically after having a C-section. There was a lot of help around. Uh, But I do remember shortly after the the funeral home. The funeral home, yeah. Funeral home (laughs) obituary. The funeral (laughs) home counselor came to my house. And it was during that time. And as you both know, you are just numb and you're not there you're there and you're going through the motions but you're just not there right and she came to check on me I happened to be alone for some reason that day they might have done went out grocery shopping or something and she came in to check on me and Angie's heard this story she says to me you know you have a choice and I just looked at her and I was mad I hit this anger And I looked at her and I'm like, what do you mean I don't have a choice? My husband was just killed. I am here by myself for the rest of my life, essentially, with three young kids. And I'm 33 years old. And she said, well, you have a choice. You can choose hope or you can choose despair. And for some reason, that hit me. Because in a a situation where I felt I did not have a choice, this choice was made for me and for our children I didn't have a choice, but I did. I had a choice. I could go lock myself in my room, not come out. I had a baby. I had a newborn. And with I, I believe in the timing of her coming because had it been just the boys and I, I don't know what kind of mom I would have been. I don't know if I would have fallen into despair, but I had an 18-year-old baby. That baby needed. Day old. Oh, baby. I'm sorry. What did I say? <laughs> 18 year old. Whoa. We, we, don't call that, go. we call that widow brain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's widow or brain. Or grief brain yeah, or whatever. That, that, yeah. That can be deleted later. <laughs> <laughs> 18 day old baby yeah. that needed me. I, that baby needed her mom. She, yeah. I had to feed her. I had to change her. I can't just leave her there. So right. I believe in the timing of her. Yes. Because, like I, I mentioned before, we weren't. We weren't planning, and she, if you rewind and play back, the timing was everything for her to 
be there during this time. And yes. so my children are my saving grace. They really are. I have enjoyed watching your children grow Me through too. Facebook posts through the years. That little Allie, she has just grown up to be such a beautiful young lady. She is. She's very beautiful, very sassy, but very beautiful. <laughs> she gets the sassy from the boys. She does. She has to stick up for herself with those two. <laughs> do do the any of the kids remind you a lot of their dad? Their personalities? They all do in different ways. Yeah. They're, and even physical features, obviously, but mannerisms, I've had plenty of conversations with one of my best college friends. And when we were in college, we were taking family and consumer science classes. And one of the questions was nature versus nurture. And we had to write on that. Well, I've got to live that now. And if I had to go back in time and re-answer that question, I'm pretty sure I would have changed my answer. <laughs> Because even though he's not around, their mannerisms, they will say something, my back's turned, and I could swear it's Shad. Or they do, Brandon does the certain, um, it's a noise with his mouth. It's, it's hard to explain. <laughs> but anybody who knew Shad knows that, like, that was him. And it's just, it's strange, but it is the coolest thing to experience through Comforting. them. Comforting. It is. I have three daily reminders of Shad, and he would be so proud of those kids. Oh, no, without a doubt he would, without so a doubt. So what are their ages now? They are. <laughs> Brandon will be 23 in wow. September. I know. Ryan just turned 20 in May, and Allie, of course, is 16 because it's been 16 years. So yeah. she is what time looks like. Yeah. Oh, what a... What a great way to put that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's just crazy. Well, Becky, also then, you know, going through that, do you want to share a little bit about what happened like after, um, like, you know, meeting somebody else and you want to go into that? Sure. I can go into that. <laughs> so after, this is a, um, it's kind of hard sometimes well, to find the, the right words, right. isn't well, it? It's, yeah. it's a lot of timing too, I know. Yes. Um, so timing-wise was not the best timing for some people. Um, my, my husband's friend and I became very, very good friends. And he was super, super comforting to me. He would stay up all night long and just sit and listen to me ask the same questions over and over and over again. And we would sit in the garage and stay up all night long. And I could ask him the same questions over and over. Actually, he was the one that Shad and his friend were going to meet that night. And he made it to the accident. He saw the aftermath. Wow. Him and Shad were great friends. That group of deputies that they hung out with were very, very close, and he was there to see it. So he was there from that moment on. He had his own trauma involved. He had a lot of trauma. He saw things, and same with Shad's other friend he was with, saw things. I'm sure whoever arrived on scene saw things, and they they see things. They're deputies. They see those things, but not when it's your best friend. No. No. And I would have never wished that on anybody. No. So he came around a lot. Um, he was 
he was single, so he was the single one. They're all like, go check on Becky, go <laughs> check on Becky. And so we just became great, great friends. And over the course of time, we both started feeling a feeling. And we were like, what is this? What are we doing? Is this right? Is this not right? And it was my life, the kids of my the kids' lives, his life. And we just kind of rolled with what that what that was. It was an undeniable connection that we had. And so we just went with it. And we ended up getting married in 2012. And things were great. He had his son. I had the three kids. The three kids loved him. And he helped do so much for all of us and, and got us through those hard times. And we never... We never forgot. He allowed us, he allowed me especially to grieve. He allowed me to celebrate Shad on birthdays. We celebrated him on the angelversary. We would have huge parties at the house where the kids would be surrounded by their family, Shad's family and friends, our family and friends. We went to the cemetery. He would take sponges and buckets of water and clean off his headstone and share stories of Shad with the kids and allow, again, allow me to ask the same questions of that night or him and silly things that they did over and over and over again. So it was, a relationship was built on that. It was built on both of us enduring a loss and being there for one another. So I can I can see how that could happen when when you have such a sudden tragic it's like they're pulled out of your life mm-hmm. and you're just left with all these questions and I could see where that force would be so great between you it was um a popular and unpopular decision. <laughs> um, Why do you say that Becky? Well, hmm. <laughs> we went we went through a lot. Um we had some people that were like, this is like the best thing for them. This is the best thing for Becky and the kids because you have a part of, of your late husband in this person because of the memories and nobody sure. can ever take those from you. No. And then you have people that are judgy. And when we're in this situation, that's the worst thing. Let's let's just yeah. let's just take a break with with that. Amen statement to that. Because <laughs> I think widows and widowers, but probably more so widowers, are judged so much after mm-hmm. they go through that loss. Like everybody's looking at them. What are they doing next? Yeah. Magnifying what they're doing, talking about what they're doing. I totally get it. Yeah, I felt that way a little bit because you know after I started dating Chance. Um, you know, sooner than some people thought it should be, you know, I mean, those guys, I guess, thought they were the experts. Yep, we have a <laughs> lot know? of those. Exactly. <laughs> and so I was just like, you know, um, it just same thing. It just felt right. Um, you know, and chance, same thing allowed me to, you know, talk to talk about Jack and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I heard a couple things um, that were judgmental and, you know, the same type of thing. And it's, um, you know, I don't know. I just don't, we just, widows and widowers just, we get the crap end of all the deals. Right? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. And it, 
It was it, going back to the word choice. Yeah. You know, I, I made a choice. I, I live with that choice. It may have not seemed like the best choice per other people at the mm -hmm. time, but I've always wanted to live my life the way Shad would want me to. And when that happened, I kind of took it as not really a coincidence because we don't believe in those, right? <laughs> <laughs> but just something where it was like, that's what was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to happen that way. And, it, and for us, minus all the loudness of outside people, for the most part, it, it worked the way it was supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, so. I agree. And so just to go forward a little, you are no longer married. We are no longer married. Yeah. We do not have any hate for one another at all. We've just taken two separate paths and we just are better off apart yeah. than we are together. And there's lots of other personal things in there that it's not for me to air somebody's laundry. Exactly. <laughs> so I will respect him and not go into that. But again, we we're fine. We don't hate each other. Um, there's no ill will there. I wish him the best. And yeah. Does he still talk to the boys or Allie ever? He is pretty close with Brandon and him and Brandon have a really good, good relationship right now. That's, That's good. good. Yeah. yeah. So, so take us through you know, widowhood, mm -hmm. you have to pick the pieces up. Mm -hmm. And now you find yourself at another crossroads in your life that mm -hmm. you're picking the pieces up again. Mm -hmm. How has this time been different than the first time? Well, obviously your children are older, right. but, and, and you're older with more life experiences, right. but how are you doing in this again? How is your path going? So, of course, it was difficult. Uh, I come from divorced parents, and I never, ever imagined or wanted to ever be divorced, nor would I ever imagine myself widowed as well. <laughs> but uh, back to that lady's quote, you know, you have a choice. You can choose hope or you could choose despair. And I think I just go into protection mode. Everything since that day in May has been about my children and what is best for them. And I've so many choices along the way from resigning a, a full-time position in a career I was working toward a goal so I could stay home and be with them throughout their young years and be at every football game, every baseball game, every dance recital. And so they are what keeps me going. And I go into, you mentioned before, protective mode. So I go just into... And some men and people may not like to hear this, but I go into, I am woman, hear me roar. <laughs> and so I'm like, I can do this. I don't need anybody to help me do this, you know. Oh, Becky. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do, I don't know what's in me. I had a very special person actually just tell me yesterday that they are very impressed by me just jumping in and doing things that some people or even women wouldn't do. Right. And that's just what I've had to do. Mm -hmm. I have had to overcome and adapt. I have had to choose peace over maybe 
even family that weren't healthy to be around. So the choice is there. And that's what I've chosen to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, you maybe have heard this before, maybe on a podcast that I've been on, but you know, I've always practiced the three C's of life and, you know, it's choices, chances, and changes. And, you know, you must make a choice to take a chance or your life will never change. Right. Correct. And so, you know, and I always looked at it cause I was, I had the choice whether to give up or to survive every day, you know, and then I chose to survive just like you both have, you know, and by doing that, I had to take a chance on my broken heart and teach it to love and live again. And that's what we're all doing. And that's what you're doing. And then during that whole process, I, you know, I so slowly saw my life change into a beautiful star- story of heartbreak, death and love to hope and renewal. So I think that's a hundred percent what you have done, Becky, and you also, Michelle, that I think that's I mean, that should just be our motto because, and you've said it over and over again about the choice that you've had and you do a phenomenal job with your kids. I mean, um, you know, you have given them what they need to succeed in life. And, you know, I know there were years when they were tough, you know, especially, well, with anyone, those teenage years are tough, you know, and, but you've done a phenomenal job. Thank you. Yeah. They're pretty great. (laughs) Did you, um, I, I know this question, but, um, like going through, like, um, we went through Teddy Bear Hollow and that's actually how I met you. Um, we met through Teddy Bear Hollow and I think I was, I don't even remember. We were, there was something going on down somewhere. I had just started going back after Jack had died and, um, it was down at College of St. Mary. They were having some sort of event. And I had seen you with the three kids, you know, and um, and it just, you were, you were frazzled and stuff and all that. And I was just like, wow, you know, and then we met at Teddy Bear Hollow and um, we joined AHA group, the Adults Helping Adults. And we just bonded. And I mean, you know, here we are, we've become, I mean amazing friends and you've been a huge part of my life. And I mean, I turned to you, especially after I became a widow. So did you think for you and your family, Teddy Bear Hollow was a good path, a good choice? Teddy Bear Hollow was our saving grace. We went really soon after Shad died and I couldn't take Allie because you had to be two. two. Yeah. Yes. So I took the boys by myself to, I don't even know what it was. I think maybe it was just a Saturday group. Yeah. Or, or did, what, did you take them to Tinsel and Tears? I took them to Tinsel and Tears. Yeah. Oh, yes. And all those awesome facilitators yes. did so good with those crazy boys. <laughs> but yes, it was, at first I did it for them. Because at the time, Teddy Bear Hollow, the focus was on children who have lost or endured loss. And that was the purpose. I, I went because I was taking them. I wasn't doing it for me. Mm-hmm. But come to find out, it helped me. So when you talk about picking up the pieces, I don't know that I could have done it without my friends like Angie, uh, the Christies. I mean, we have so many friends that we've made through Teddy Bear Hollow because when you are in the same similar, let's say similar situation, there is no better support than that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that brings me right to the <laughs> young widow group that I started where I met both of you yeah. mm-hmm. is 
being with people that are going through the same thing at the same time is like a silver lining in such a dark time. Mm -hmm. You know, they they're just, I don't know, just... It's it's beautiful. Yeah, you don't feel well, alone. Yeah, no, you don't feel yeah. alone. Well, and I talked about this in um, when I did my podcast episode. Um, you know how I had went to Teddy Bear Hollow the first time after Garrett had died. You know, and Jack and I had went um, to take Gracie, and um, you know they put the kids off into their age group. You know, and then the parents go to the adults. And I remember we were the only people in there that had lost a child, and everybody else was a widow. And or a widower, and I was like, I could not relate, and I'm just, you know, at all. I mean, we were on opposite spectrums, and I didn't feel comfortable, you know, and Jack did not feel comfortable, but, you know, we finished, um, and then, you know, going fast forward then, and I had said that when I started again after Jack had died, um, you know, it was mostly widows in there, widowers, and... Um, but then there was, I think there was somebody in my group that had, um, lost a child, but I could relate with them a little, you know, and I could talk to them off to the side, but, um, that just, just having somebody that knows exactly the feelings you're going through, the, the emotions, the challenges of raising children. Cause I mean, I think everybody that we knew at the time had children, Yes. All about the same age. My situation was a little different because our daughter was 15. Yeah. And so it was a lot different guiding a teenager through a sudden tragic loss than like a younger Littles. child. Yeah. But the flip side of that is your younger children don't have the memories of their parent like an older child does. So there's good and bad on both sides. Well, for sure. And that's, I mean... Like, you had to build your memories for Allie, right? All her memories. Yes, and even for the boys, we were, this past weekend, we were invited down to a memorial, and the only one that could go with me is our middle, Ryan, who is his father's son. He looks, <laughs> he looks like just him, like him. <laughs> looks like him. He is carefree, life's a party, ask forgiveness, not permission, all the things. Live life to the fullest, <laughs> he'll tell you. And he got up on stage and talked. And the memory he shared with with the whole place was his dad picking him up and throwing him on the couch and listening to Last Dollar by Tim McGraw. And they ended up playing that song after he was done speaking, oh which my. everybody to tears. That's but that's probably the hardest part of of this journey for me is them not having their dad. Mm-hmm. And we have to be mom and dad. Right. And... I'm now starting as I get older, we're not going <laughs> to throw out any numbers, but uh, we're starting to go to our friends' children's weddings now, yeah. right? And wow, those are emotional. So 16 years and oh my gosh, you know, you talk about Shad or you live this and people that have never lived it don't get it. But for the rest of our lives, there are going to be the reminders of him not being present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Those weddings are one of them, and yeah. I just—it's going to be an emotional time. And Michelle, you can probably speak to that. Yeah, I've already been married. All that. <laughs> yeah, off. My daughter's married, and she's having grandbabies now. But um, a thought popped into my head as you were talking. Um, I think there's a misconception in the world of maybe non-widowed people that 
if you're widowed and then you get remarried, that it somehow erases the first experience. Mm-hmm. But false, false, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. something can trigger it and take you right back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. it has nothing to do with your new spouse. Nothing. And but that those sudden avalanche of emotions can just hit, just like you described, like the weddings, it, they're going to hit. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's amazing, too, if you guys probably feel this way, too, just like how you said, you know, 16 years. And so 2009 was Michelle and I's, you know, so 14 years for us uh, without our first spouses. And it's... um it doesn't seem like, I mean, it seems like yesterday sometimes, you know, and just right. like, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. And I know people that are non, that are, that haven't grieved a ton or haven't had a lot of loss. They think, why are they still like, why would she be getting so emotional, like crying after 16 years or anything? It's just, I mean, really, it's just crazy to me. We've talked about it all the time, time, right? time and numbers. And when you have, when we have our children from our late husbands, time doesn't matter because to those kids, they would give anything to have their dad back. And, and we have to continue that as far as, and it may make people uncomfortable, but that Share is their memory, right, say their name. Right, yeah. right. And that's, and that's our jobs for our children. Yes. Right, absolutely. You keep that memory alive for them. So then they can tell their kids about their dad and birthdays. What's their favorite food? Where do we want to eat um, for their birthday yeah. to celebrate them? Or what was their favorite dessert? Or tell me a story. Those kids want that. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the most tears shed are the ones for them because they're missing out. Exactly. I love that, Becky. Well, Becky, I have to tell you, um, I have a lot of respect for you. Thank you. Um, what you went through, uh, just the, the piece of losing a spouse to a drunk driver. No one can understand the complex and complicated traumatic grief process that is until they've walked that path. But you had on top of that postpartum, brand newborn, little toddlers at home, and and you navigated those waters, and then you took a chance giving your heart to somebody who shared part of that journey with you, and, and it didn't work out like you had hoped. But you're, you're not giving up hope, no. and you're carrying on because your light is your children. I have one, one question I'd like to ask you. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? I'm throwing you off guard. Oh, <laughs> this wasn't in the show notes. No. <laughs> this was not in the prep. Oh, goodness. If I could re- be remembered for one thing. I'm guessing it's your children. Oh, absolutely. My my kids are my pretty much everything. So when I hear you're a good mom, that's things that people will say, but I take pride in that. Not everybody can raise three little kids pretty much by themselves right? into these little humans that are actually like, well, now young adults that are enjoyable to be around are on a great path in life. 
they're all pretty successful. We've had some bumps in the road, but I believe everybody does, but they have turned out to be amazing kids. I can't put that all on me, but I'd like to take responsibility for that a little <laughs> I, bit. I, I think it's 99% you. <laughs> I would echo that. <laughs> Playing mom and dad over there. <laughs> yep. So we're going to bring our episode to a close. First off, Becky, just so happy that you agreed to come and be our guest today. Thank it means you for a having lot. me. Uh, you did awesome. Um, and <clears throat> we like to end our... Um, episodes with asking our guests to close with a favorite quote, a favorite book that's helped you or a favorite song. So this will be no surprise to Angie. I'm sure <laughs> she, she, she will guess what my quote is that I took to heart and also told other widows as well. And it is, you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. Oh, yeah. That's amen to that. Yeah. For sure. Well, um, the time has come to end our our uh, episode, and um, we'll see you in a few weeks. We have a couple of exciting uh, guests on deck for September. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carrie England, uh, she is going to talk to us about her battle of addiction and finding her way through substance abuse treatment, the 12-step program, the loss of her father to suicide, and how the pain of her loss led her to the comfort of light in her life. And if you read my book, Better Not Bitter, Carrie is actually in my book, and she is the gal that I met at a very random location and was uh, the that set me on the path to forgiveness of the drunk driver that killed my husband. And then uh, also that month of September, we'll be visiting with Dr. Samantha Cooper, who's going to share with us her three awakenings in life, um, sharing about the reality that her childhood was not normal, her divorce from her husband, and how... um, she realized through the process she was facing her same childhood issues and then what she likes to call her spiritual awakening. She told me that these dark and pivotal moments gave her a new level of understanding of herself. And I think that's really um, a loaded quote. If, if That could be used for many, many instances in our lives. I agree, yeah. So yes. anyway... Thank you all for joining us. See you in a couple weeks, and we hope you find the light in your journey. Yes, thanks, Becky. Love you. Thank you both. Love you. (laughs)